Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Open your Bible. I'm going to just preach a quick message for you um, in Acts. I love the book of Acts. Don't you get excited when you read the book of Acts? Um, if you're not, uh, if you don't regularly go to church or whatever, we uh, we're excited that you're here. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming out. Maybe uh, you know someone twisted your arm to come or whatever. Uh, but uh, we're just excited that you're here, and uh, I hope that you get something out of it, out of uh, out of the message, and hope you get encouraged by it. But uh, I just want to preach. You know, I was reading it this again, and and uh, it just I was stirred by this again, and. Uh, you know, just stirred to uh, stirred to 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 believe again. Not that I stopped believing, but but you know, this was when I first got saved, and and I first really encountered a, a move of God in my life. It it um, it stirred me so much to believe for that for other people. So much so it was, you know, when you've encountered God, because it's almost like it's impossible to keep it to yourself. That's, that's, when, that's when you know you've really experienced a move of God in your life. Because what God does, when God does anything, He does it in overflow. And, and when God moves in your heart and moves in your life, you know it's a touch of God when you can't. It's almost like you cannot help yourself. It, it, it just flows out of you. And it just, and, and that's one of the things I love about this book um, in the book of Acts. And I want to read a few verses here. I'm going to start from Acts. Um, let's start from Acts 1. I'm going to go from Acts 1 verse 4. This is, you know, the disciples had been rolling with Jesus. And, and uh, Jesus was, you know, the man and, and he came and he died and and the disciples were all upset when he died. And they're like, well, this sucks. Like he was the man, now he's dead. And they're like, what do we do? And they go through a few days and they're upset. But then we know the story. Jesus gets put in the tomb and then dude raises up. And the disciples are like, hey, awesome. He's now the man again. And they sort of get encouraged again. And then they come to sort of this moment here. And what happens is here, at, they're sort of gathered in Acts 1. And the disciples, are, they're sort of in this place um, if you like, I mean, I went through it real quick just then, but they've had a few sort of ups and downs. You know, they're sort of one minute, they're, they're, they're charging, you know, they're excited. And then the next he's in the tomb and they're not so sure. And so they're in this moment now sort of not sure of, of what Jesus has in store for them. Not sort of sure what, what are things going to look like. We know what happens. We know they're about to experience you know, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit being outpoured and the birthing of the church, but they don't know that. So they're just sort of just sort of hanging like, okay, what are we, you know, what are we doing now? And it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to, to, to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You can sort of hear they're asking this question. See, we know what the Holy Spirit is. This is the first, these dudes, have they don't know what's going on. Yeah. That he says, listen, I'm going to go 
It's going to be awesome. Though. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And then they're so like, are you, going to, are you going to restore everything? Are you going to, you know, you can sort of hear in this question, they still don't quite have an idea of what's going on. But I love, I love what happens here. And it says, and he said to them, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then skip down, they, they, they hang around and, and what happens is Jesus ascends, he goes to heaven and the disciples are sort of left sort of chilling like, okay, now what do we do? You know, like God has, God has given them, it talks about, he says to them, the, the gift that I have promised you, He's given them this promise and now they're in this sort of in-between stage. They don't know how long it's going to be. They don't know how long they're going to wait for. They don't know what they're actually waiting for. But I love the, the expectation that they have. You know, have you ever felt like God has spoken something to you, but what He's spoken to you, you haven't seen that come into fruition yet in your life and you're left in this sort of in-between stage? You left, you feel like you got a promise and you believe that God has called you to, to walk in it, but you're sort of left standing there, sort of just waiting, you know, looking around, not sure what it's going to look like and when it's going to happen. And this is where they're at. And then it goes through. And then we know the story in Acts 2. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then it goes on further. We won't look at it for sake of time, but it goes on for, for, further and they all get filled, as we just read, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes upon them and empowers them. When it talks about power earlier on, that word is, is the word dunamis, which means force, miraculous power or miraculous ability. This is, this is really the story of, because after this, it's, it's what we talk about in church as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And what happens is, is off the back of this outpouring, the church, this is where the church is birthed. This is where on the back of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter gets up and Peter starts to preach with authority and Peter starts to preach with power and it says thousands are added to them. And then what happens is the people start to get saved. People start to, and then people start to see their friends get saved and then they bring sick people and sick people started to get healed. And, and it's, this is the moment where there's this radical turning point because prior to this, Jesus was doing awesome things, but everything was restricted to having to happen in and through Jesus. But when the Holy Spirit broke out, it, it, it broke out and it spread and it impacted people in such a way that they couldn't help but then impact the next person. 
See, that's when you know when there's a true move of the Holy Spirit. It, 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 it becomes infectious. It's almost like, it's almost like you, when, you, when you get a disease, when you get an infectious disease on you, it's almost like just even when people are just around you, they'll catch what's on you because what's happening is when you get an, when you get an infection, you're coming into contact with something that's more powerful than your flesh. And, and what happens is that infection takes over your flesh and now it's affecting your flesh and now it's affecting you. And when you get around other people, it starts to affect them and they start to sense something different about you and, and, and it spreads. And this is, what, this is what the church, this is what God's heart is for the church because He didn't want it to be birthed until this happened. He didn't want to think of the timing of this. Thinking he had spent, Jesus had spent this time training, teaching them the practical, showing them, bro, this is how you need to handle someone like this. This is, this is what he was doing. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is doing life with someone. He says, disciples, come with me, roll with me. Let me show you how you handle a tax collector chilling in a tree. This is what you need to do. Let me show you how you need a hand. Let me show you when you, when you know, when Pharisees bust up, a, you know, a, a woman that's hooking up with a, with a guy, and they bring her, and they want. Let me show you how you deal with this. This is what you need to do. This is my heart for this person. You need to catch this. He's saying to them, you, if you if you're going to birth my church. You need to know my heart for people. You need to know, and I want you to see what I'm doing. I want you to see how much it frustrates me when, when Pharisees look at what people are giving in the offering. I want you to stand with me as I watch and watch what I see. I don't see the Pharisees giving the big amounts. I see the, the little old lady with the, with the two mites. That's the stuff that, that stirs my heart. You see what he's doing? He's taking them on this journey. But then as he's taught them, he comes to the end where he's taught them all the practicals. And he says, right, now you know what to do. Now you know my heart. Now you know what it looks like. Now you know what I want my church to be about. But before you do anything, I need you to wait. Because all of that is not gonna mean a thing. All of that, you won't do anything with all of that. I mean, that's all great. And that's all the practical things on, on how, how, to, how, to, how to be what I've called you to be and all of that. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to saturate you with something called the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit is going to do, it's going to put the, the supernatural to the natural of what I've just taught you. I'm going to combine those natural things I've taught you with the supernatural power of my spirit. And that's what I want my church to be about. This is a crazy moment in the Bible. This is, this is where it was all birthed. This is where it broke out. This is where things got absolutely crazy. But what's happened is, is, is we have to understand what a move of the spirit really looks like. See, we've, we've gotten, I think at times we can get in church, we can get confused with what the Spirit moving in someone's life looks like. We're talking about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God moves in someone's life, yes, that will mean, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, that they will speak in tongues. We believe that. We believe that He's for everybody. I don't believe that you're not saved if you don't do it, but I do believe that it is a gift from God that God has called everyone to have. 
I do believe that also that everybody is on their own journey. And everybody needs to be allowed to take that journey in their timing and in their walk with God. But I want to tell you, if you come before God with a heart that says, God, I want your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will speak in tongues and you will step into this power and this authority and this might. But I want to tell you, there's more than that. See, I believe that when the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, it's not just about you speaking in tongues or, or, or crying in a service or whatever it might be, running around or swing from the roof if you want, whatever floats your boat. I'm, I, don't, I don't know. But, but what I'm saying is you have to understand that, the, that God wants to do greater things than just give you goosebumps in a service. And He wants to do greater things than just make you cry. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, you actually get better at what you do. Do you understand that? When the Spirit of God came upon Samson, Samson got strong. How many men think, gee, I'd like that in the gym, help you push out a few more, wouldn't it? When the Spirit of God came upon Elijah, the dude got fast. You read the Bible in 1 Kings, he could run, he could outrun a horse. When the Spirit of God came upon Solomon, Solomon got wise. And what I want us to understand is the Spirit of God breaking out in the church does not just mean a powerful service with lots of people crying. And I think that's awesome. Do what you want to do. Cry till you drown yourself. But what I'm saying is don't limit the Spirit of God moving in your life to just being tears in a service. You might be someone that stands in a service, everyone else crying around you and you don't feel anything. Listen, don't get discouraged because you might walk out and show up to work tomorrow and all of a sudden find, you know what, I'm a lot smarter today than I was yesterday. That's the Spirit of God coming upon you and empowering you to be what God has called you to be. You got to, sometimes people get discouraged and people are like, I just didn't, I just didn't feel anything. Yet my, my dad is, is one of those people. My mom, if you met my parents, they'll be here soon in a few months. My, my, my mum is like, I mean, she'll feel the Holy Spirit. And, and I mean, who knows what she'll do? I mean, I've got to tell you, I feel sorry for people that are standing beside her sometimes in church. But she, you know, she's one of those mums. Do you know what I mean? You, some of you have one of those mums. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are one of those mums. She's, you know what I mean? She'll feel, she'll shake and rattle and roll and cry and laugh and scream. You, you don't know what's going on. Like I'm her son. I'm standing there thinking, oh, you're just a weird, like this is straight weird. I don't understand. My dad will stand there just like a rock. I mean, you'll be, you ask Cressa, you'll be lucky if you get a hand raise. He'll be like, I'll be up, sometimes I'll be, I'll be up there preaching my guts out. Front row, everyone's going nuts. My dad will be like. <laughs> now it's just his, it's his personality. It's how he is. It's, it's, but, let, but let me tell you, he's got, a, he's got a gift of faith that's upon his life. He's got a gift in business. He's a, he's a lawyer by, by, by trade. And, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, it looks very different to what it looks like when it comes upon my mum, for example. But what has happened is, is in the church, we've fallen in love with the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. 
And what we want is we want the Holy Spirit on us. So we will fake a manifestation just because we're so desperate for God to move in our life that we think that if we get on our knees and pretend like we're crying or pretend like we're laughing or jump and move around, then that's God moving in our life. God has created each and every one of you individually with individual gifts and individual anointings. And what we need to do is as a church is we've got to understand that, receive and accept who we are in Christ Jesus and come before God and say, God, I want you to move in my life. And whatever that looks like, I give you permission to show up in my life and do whatever it is that you want to do. If I laugh, I laugh. If I cry, I cry. If I stand here and do nothing, but I walk out tomorrow empowered, then I'm happy with that. I just want you. It's, it's getting to that place of saying, God, I just, I just I want your presence. Sometimes in, in, in when, when God is moving in a service, sometimes I'll, you know, move around. Sometimes, sometimes I'll just want to stand there and just absorb it, just, just soak it up sometimes. But what we can't do is we can't get judgmental. Sometimes we get judgmental in church. We're like, well, she's powerful because she's crying. Maybe she's just sad. I don't know. We think, oh, they're powerful because they're moving like this or they're not getting touched and they're getting touched and they're not. And they, and think, you know what? We just need to worry about what God is doing in our lives. And let's just get before God and say, God, show up and do something in my heart. Because I want to tell you, when you get infected by God, when you get infected by the Holy Spirit, it'll have symptoms. And those symptoms will look different. But you'll be able to see it. The Bible says that the fruits, what are the fruits of the Spirit? doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit is crying. The fruits of the Spirit is rolling on the floor. Now, hear my heart. I'm not making light of that. I've, I've done that stuff, man. I, was, I, I often cry. Most times I cry. You know, I make fun of crying all the time. I'm the one that's always crying. But listen, uh, but I don't care. What I'm saying is don't fall in love with the fruit, fall in love with the Spirit and say, God, when your Spirit, see, when the Spirit comes upon you, you'll be able to love people like no one else can. It's the first fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, joy. When the fruit, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you just get happy, bro. You just walk around and you're just happy. You're like, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, there's some things in my life that suck, but the Spirit of God's on me and I just feel good. You know, I need more money and, you know, I'm going through some things and I'm struggling, but the Spirit of God's on me. I just feel good. I just feel like I want to laugh. You know, that's okay. We've got to understand this is the fruit of God moving in our life. We need some happier Christians sometimes. Do you think that? Love, joy, peace. Peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, self-control. I'm going to tell you, we need, as we, as we start to look at this, you start to understand why we need the Holy Spirit in our life, why we need the Spirit of God in our life. I just want to look at a couple of quick things and then I'm going to finish. I've got 10 minutes. You give me 10 minutes? You sure? First thing that was real quick is that this is that they came together with one accord. I want to... What do you do? Three quick things to, 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 I don't know, call a sermon what you want. Like I was going to say like three, I don't know. You know, like, I'll oh, forget it. Don't worry. 
Pastor Jensen always has these real cool sermon titles and stuff. And so I'm always like, I get the sermon. Pastor Javon gets up and drops these sermon titles. I'm like, bro, that's a book. Like, I can't even pull together. I don't even know. Like, I'm just. <laughs> what was I talking about back in three? Through, okay, through the Spirit. Three quick things, all right, about having a, a move of God, an outbreak in your life or a Holy Spirit. That might work. Javon will think of something and we'll get it for uh, the first thing is, it says they came together, it says with one, with one accord. The, the interpretation of those two words, one accord, it means, to be, it means the same passion. One accord means the same passion. Now, I want you to understand that when they came together in the upper room, they were not coming together to wait for tongues because they didn't know what tongues was. When we talk about the Holy Spirit and we say, listen, the Holy Spirit's here. Who wants to pray in tongues? People come together, come forward. And I'm not, listen, I'm not making light of that. We need to do that. And I, want, I believe people are going to pray in tongues in this service. But we come together with a passion to speak in tongues. That's not what happened in this story because they didn't know what tongues was. Their one passion was Jesus. He said, He gave them direction and they came together and the one accord, the one passion that united them was simply a passion for Jesus Christ was simply a passion for the things of God. If you want an outbreak of the Spirit of God in your life, you have to have one passion and that one passion has got to be Jesus Christ. If you want the Holy Spirit to come upon you and empower you for business, I've got a heart to see business people empowered by the Holy Spirit to make the best business decisions, to make the most money you've ever made before. But I wanna tell you, if your passion is just to make money, then it will not attract the Spirit of God. You have to have a passion that is about lifting up Jesus Christ in your workplace. And I'm not talking about being a weirdo at work. Understand what I'm saying. But I'm talking about a passion to say, God, I want to be everything that You've called me to be here in this business because I love You and my heart is for You. We've got to have that one passion. That one desire, the Bible says that we need to seek first the Kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. We need to have that, that just that one passion. We need to, we need to sometimes simplify that the, our Christian walk can get so complicated sometimes. You need to just keep it down, keep it basic, keep it simple, love God and love people. To say, God, I'm, I'm passionate for you. I want to tell you, you'll have some of the greatest outpourings of the Spirit of God in your life and in your quiet time and in your prayer time. If you come to God in His presence, just saying, God, I want you. God, I want more of you. God, I want to know you more. God, I want to understand your heart more. I want to sense your presence more. God, I love you. And as you pour out on Him, God will begin to pour out on you and you'll start to experience a move of the Holy Spirit in your life. But it will not come unless your one passion is Jesus. Keep Jesus your one passion. Don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry about what you do have. Keep Him your passion. I remember when I first got saved. I remember what God had set me free from. I remember I was so pumped, man. I was so excited. Listen, I left. I, within a week, I got saved. Within a week of getting saved, I broke up with my girlfriend. I quit my job. I moved back to my parents' house and I signed up to an internship program at the church. 
But I remember getting in that program. I didn't have a license. I'd lost my license because of doing stupid things before I met Jesus. So I'm catching the train everywhere. And I remember, I remember just getting in church. I remember helping out in church and I started to to help out in the youth ministry. And, and, and they said to me, I was, I was a young leader at the time in the youth ministry. And they said, we want you to, we want you to go out to this, to this part of town. It was, it was the roughest sort of part of Melbourne and, and where we were in Australia there. And, and they said, we want you to go there and, and we want to we wanna begin, uh, begin a group, basically what we used to call like a, an urban life group or, or a small group, just with these teenagers. And I remember just, got, I remember getting so pumped I didn't even know what I was doing. I remember I bought a train ticket and I got on a train. I went out to the worst suburb in Melbourne. I took a basketball because I know how to play a little bit of basketball. And I took a basketball and I thought, God, just anoint me. And I went to a basketball hoop and I thought, I'm just going to play basketball and just see if a teenager shows up. I was that creepy guy at the basketball court, you know. But I remember, and, and I remember just out there, and, and, I'd, and I remember starting to begin conversations with kids and, and just start playing one-on-one with kids and, and start some basketball, basketball games with different kids. And then I remember, you know, going to different schools and I remember, and I remember catching the train and, and I remember doing all of these stupid things. I look back now and I think, oh my goodness, like I remember you've heard stories. I remember going to schools at nighttime and praying over schools. And, and I remember going out to catch a, you know, if, if, if there was a kid that, that needed prayer or needed, I remember I'd catch a train out there and I'd, I'd meet with a kid. And, and I remember what, but I look back now and I look at all of those, this passion that I had and this drive that I had. It was, I had this drive, I had this, this energy, I had this desire because my passion for Jesus was so great. My, my passion for the things of God, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what, what the future was going to look like. I didn't know I was going to be in ministry. I was working as a building construction. I was working in construction at the time. I don't come from a ministry family. I, you know, I didn't know that it was going to lead to something. I didn't necessarily even want it to lead to something. All I knew was I was in love with Jesus and I wanted someone else to experience what I had just experienced. And it was stirring within me this passion. I want to tell you, when you get a passion for Jesus Christ, you'll do some stupid things that you wouldn't normally do in the natural. Your passion for Jesus, it, it'll, it'll push past fear. It'll push past nerves. It'll push past doubt and unbelief. You, you'll start to do crazy things. But you've got to get this passion for Jesus. Some of us, sometimes we've been, some of us, I think we've been saved too long. You hear what I'm saying? You know, you know, I love when you see someone who just got saved. They just experienced God and they come and they're fiery. They're, they're excited. They're at church every week. They're passionate. They're reading the Word. They're hungry for the Word. They're praying all day. They're, they're seeking God. And I think sometimes I think what happens in the church is we've just been saved too long. Some of us need to get saved again. Some of us need to get down the front. Some of us need to, I'm not saying you've fallen away from God, but I think God's calling some of us to, we need to really rededicate our life again and say, God, give me that fresh passion back. God stirred up in my heart a passion for you that I cannot contain in my own self that it'll flow out of me. Passion for God. Next quick thing is that that if you want this outbreak of the Holy Spirit in your life is you've got to have some expectation. They came together. The the, the disciples came together. I want you to picture, picture being there. 
Like I talked about earlier, they didn't know what's going to happen. When was the last time you came before God, before you opened your Bible, just buzzing, thinking, man, something's about to happen this morning. When was the last time you got up in the morning before prayer and, and you're, making it, you're making a coffee before you start to pray, just thinking, so I know God's about to show up. When was the last time you came to church and, and, and you couldn't all the way here, you just, you just, you were getting those ner- excited nerves as you're driving to church in the car, just thinking, man, anything could happen today. I don't even know what they got planned at church. I don't know who's going to be leading. I don't know who's going to be preaching, but I know that God's going to be there and I know that anything could happen. Expectation. Let me tell you something. Expectation is a magnet for the anointing. It's a magnet. You ask any preacher, ask these guys that preach. You can travel anywhere and you get up in an atmosphere. You can get in an atmosphere where there's expectation. And it's like they've got, I feel like when I get in, 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 in preaching and, and people are, have that expectation, it's like they're sitting there with a magnet. That'll just pull every single bit of anointing out of you because it's that expectation. You'll draw it out. I want to tell you the expectation is a magnet to the anointing. And if you want the anointing in your life, you got to expect it. You got to get up and say, God, I'm, I'm ready for you to do something today. I'm ready for you to move in my life today. I expect you to show up in my life today. And I want to tell you, God will do it. They had an expectation there. Can you imagine that? Jesus has just ascended to heaven in front of them. And he said, listen, just wait, stay here. Can you imagine that conversation? I'll be the dude that just wouldn't shut up the whole time. I'll be like, bro, what do you think is going to happen? What's going, how long are we going to be here? Are you excited? I'm so excited. I can't, has anyone got food? How long are we going to be here for? Someone needs to get food. Call your wife, tell her to make something and get it over here. I don't know, this is going to be amazing. Where should I stand? Should I stand? Should we sit? Should we wait here? Should we go over there? Should we stand in a circle? Should we hold hands? Should we pray? Should we start singing? What should we do? Should I sit with my legs crossed? Should I do this? Should I cry? Do you feel like crying? I don't feel like crying. You're emotional, I'm emotional. I don't know. That'd be me the whole time. I'd be like, just almost like, just shut up, man. But there was was an expectation. There was a stirring. There was a, I want to tell you, I've got an expectation for what God's doing in our church. You might not feel it, but I don't need you to feel it because I know that there's an expectation in my heart. We were in here last night, Saturday night, praying. We pray in here. Anyone can come and we pray in here for the church. We pray for the city and we pray for your life. and We pray for what God is doing. We just do it from 6.30 to 7.30. There would have been just by a handful of people in here. Nothing glamorous. A little bit of worship playing over the speakers. And we're just walking around praying and I know God's about to do something because I know in that atmosphere, I can start to sense it. It's not hype. There's not a cool band. There's no one leading. We're just praying. It's just a couple of people getting together, praying. But every time I get in that service and I get in that meeting and I start declaring things of God over our church and I start declaring healings and start declaring breakthroughs and start seeing marriages restored and start seeing Orange County one to Jesus. I'm not just praying for Irvine. I'm praying for Orange County. Heck, let's start praying for California. Let's let's start to, start to build some expectation. I want to stir you 
you, church. We need to start expecting God to do great things in your life. You need to wake up in the morning and say, I expect God, I expect you to show up today in my life. I expect the Holy Spirit to come upon me in that meeting today. I expect God to come upon me as I'm hanging with my kids, as I'm I'm doing my work, as I'm doing my day to day. I'm expecting you to move in my life today. I wanna tell you, you'll draw something out of heaven if you've got an expectant heart. You expect God to move. We gotta come to church on a Sunday, come into our services. Not with a not not with a with an attitude that just wants to watch. We we have too many churches as as like a concert. It's like, what are you gonna do for me? What's the what songs are you gonna play for me? What what message are you gonna preach? Is it going to be entertaining for me? Is it going to, you see what I'm saying? If we, we've gotten like that. It's almost like we've got seeker friendly. And, and the problem is, is, is we have different churches where pastors have fallen into the trap of just trying to make sure that we keep entertaining people on a Sunday. And if we entertain them enough on a Sunday, then maybe they'll come back next week. Get, get hear my heart. I don't want you to come back next week because you were entertained this week and you want to come back next week to be entertained. I want you to experience such a move of God in your life that you don't worry about just coming back. You take what happens in here and you take it out there and then you can't help but bring carloads back with you and they experience the same thing and then they go back and then they come back and then they go back and you see that's what happens. That's what a move of God looks like. We've got to get past wanting to be entertained on a Sunday and say, God, I'm not just want to be entertained. I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to show up and rock my world today. I want you to come and move in my heart and mess me up today and change me. Telling the expectant people, what do you expect Him to do? Expect great things. Sometimes I'll just do it. Sometimes when I I get in the morning and and, and I'll just speak out, God, I'm expecting the best day ever. God, I'm expecting today's going to be awesome. God, I thank you. You start to declare it over your life. Start to speak it out over your life. This powerful thing and expectant heart. The last, the last thing for a, for an outbreak is uh, is obedience. Obedience. This is a harder one. We get pumped up about passion. We're like, yeah, charge Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? We walk out we're like, yeah, God. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like you could just get up and say anything. People get excited, you know. And, like passion for Jesus, expecting, I'm expecting good things. Yeah, expectation. It's going to be awesome. And then we're like, obedient. What? You mean I've got to do what he says? I want to tell you obedience. What? What about the disciples that didn't want to do what Jesus told them to do? I love that, that he says he doesn't, I love that he tells them to do something, but then doesn't unwrap the whole thing for them. It'd be easy to do it if, if he said, listen, wait, stay here and wait. It's going to be awesome. Holy Spirit's going to come. Tongues of fire chilling on your head. 
Bro, you're going to speak in crazy language. Power of God is going to come upon you. It's going to be unbelievable. Church is going to be birthed. Peter, make sure you stay because you're going to preach. Thousands are going to be saved. I mean, no, that would be easy to stay. I'll be like, I'm here. Give me a chair. No matter how long, because I know what's coming. But he doesn't. He just says, wait here. What are we waiting for? I don't know. Just wait here. You'll see. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. You want to unlock an outbreak of the Spirit of God. You want to unlock promises for your life. Because that's what it was. It says, as we read, it says it, it was the promise. Wait for, in verse 4, it says, wait for the promise of the Father. But you've got to, you position yourself for the promise through obedience. And I believe that God is speaking to different people in this place about being obedient to what God has said. God wants to break out in your life like never before. God wants to speak to you. Do you know that? Do you know that God wants to speak to you? I think some people get frustrated. I feel like I can't hear the voice of God. The Bible says that we need to pray without ceasing. Prayer is a two-way conversation. So if the Bible is telling us to pray without ceasing, then that would suggest that God is constantly speaking to us without ceasing. It's not about God speak to me. It's about God help me to hear. But often what happens is we, we're not obedient to what God is saying. And what God is often trying to do is He's trying to position us through direction from God to be in that place where He's called us to be so we can hear what He wants to tell us. It's obedience. The Bible talks about it's a still small voice. I'll tell you just a real quick story and then we're going to uh, gonna finish. But Chris and I were being married two, over two years, no, two years in May. I got it right this time. But uh, two years in, uh, in May, and, uh, you know, we've been uh, just praying, just, just seeking the Lord and, and, you know, just asking God what He wants us to do in regard to, you know, having kids and things like that. And we give it over to God and say, God, in your timing, you know, do what you want to do. And, uh, and Caress has had, you know, for a while, it's been something, and, and, you know, if we can be sort of, you know, vulnerable with people, but it's been something that the enemy has tried to attack and tried to bring a lie. The enemy tries to bring a lie and tries to speak and say, well, you, you, you're going to find it hard to get pregnant. Something that the enemy will try and attack in, in women a lot. And it can bring fear. And sometimes, let me tell you, fear is not, it's not always a spirit of fear. Fear is simply an emotion. But if you focus on an emotion, you elevate it. And then if you elevate an emotion enough, you can actually make way for a spirit. Does that make sense? And, and, but, but often it's not. Often it's just, it's just an emotion you feel. It's just fear. And you just throw it off. And, and, and you know, so Chris, you know, we were praying and, and seeking the Lord. And, and so she had an appointment, you know, that she was booked to, to go and see a, a doctor, you know, and um, specialist to just, to just um, you know, check everything and things like that. And Chris was praying and, and I was in the, in the house and, and just chilling and hanging out. I was probably reading the Bible because I'm so spiritual, but um, <laughs> I was definitely watching the TV. But um, 
while Chris was in the other room interceding and seeking the Lord, I was, you know. Anyway, she comes in, Cressa comes in and she had the appointment. It was booked for, uh, for a Thursday. She booked an appointment to just go and see a specialist and check everything was cool. And she comes in, she says, I've been praying and I feel like God has told me to cancel the appointment. And, and uh, you know, of course, again, because I'm such a man of faith, I said, let's do it. Let's be obedient. Actually, I didn't. I said, are you sure, babe? Like, are you, you know? And uh, because I think we've got to be smart with things like that. Sometimes people, yeah. you know, God uses doctors. Yeah. I believe that. And, and, but God doesn't have to. He can use a doctor or he can just bypass a doctor and do something without it. But, but we have to apply wisdom. We've got to be smart. And so I said, babe, do you, you know, are you sure what you, you feel? And she said, yeah, I feel like God just said, cancel the appointment, don't go. So I said, all right, well, let's cancel it. Let's, let's not go. And so anyway, we do that. And, and, um, and then it was, it was a couple of days after that. He took a uh, day after that. And the next day, Cressa takes a pregnancy test. And, uh, and it comes up that, that she's not pregnant. And, and, and she shared part of this with her divine women. And she said she had a bit of a moment, you know, where the enemy comes in and, and she sort of starts to feel, you know, this fear and starts to feel. And this was in the first week of the fast, January. And she's in. And, and she's in that, you know, just praying. And she said, God... I need a word. Need you to give me a word. I need you to, you know, strengthen me. I need you to help me. And, and she had this moment with God and she asked God for that. And, and then it was a few days later. It was a, uh, well, a few days later. It came when it was on the, on the Thursday. And, uh, you know, when she would have the appointment and we get in the car and we, we go, into, go into the office and we went to go and get coffee. And, and uh, you know, we go to where we got coffee and we're fasting. So, so we went to get the, um, the smoothies. Normally, Chris and I, I mean, we basically do everything together. We're like, I don't know, the people at the coffee place think we're weird, but we're like there every single day, always together. And, and this one time, Chris said, look, you stay here and get the coffees. I'll go over to the smoothie place and I'll get smoothies. So I was like, cool, I'll come meet you over there. So I get coffee. I go over to the smoothie place and I'm walking up to the smoothie place and I, and I get to the door of the smoothie and then I can see through the window of the smoothie place there's Caressa and she's standing there and she's with one of the leaders, one of her divine leaders. And, and I walk in the smoothie place and she's standing there holding both hands of her divine leader in the middle of the smoothie place. They're both crying and the attendant is standing there with looking so scared and I walk in and I'm like, okay, what is going on here? You know, when men, like when chicks cry, we don't know what to do. We're like, it's okay. Because they have so many different cries. Do you know what I mean? Like, dudes, we have one cry. I'm really sad. That's, that's the cry. Chicks have like, a God's moving cry, I'm really happy cry, I'm sad. Then there's the cry that, get this man, you'll know if you're married, for no reason. Amen. Hey, any married men know what I'm talking about? Baby, what's wrong? Nothing, I don't know. You're like, what the heck? How do you not know? Your head is leaking, you don't know what's... 
I just, I'm just, I don't know. She's standing there, she's crying. And, and, and she finishes talking with, that, with that, this leader and the leader walks out and Krista looks at me and says, that is amazing. And I said, what? And she said, this, this particular leader left the church here on that day, on the Thursday and felt like God speak to them and said, I want you to go to this smoothie place. And that day she felt like the Holy Spirit had spoken to her to give Caressa a word. This leader knows nothing of what Caressa and I are going through. God says, I want you to, I, I want, I'm giving you a picture. The leader said when she was praying, she saw a particular picture. And she said to God, God, if I bump into Caressa randomly, then I'll tell her what the word is. And so this leader said, I've never been to that smoothie place before in my life. And she said, I walked in that smoothie place and I looked up and I saw you. And when I saw you, I felt like God said to tell you what I saw. And she looked at Caressa and she said, I don't know if you, you and Ben are trying to get pregnant. I, I, I don't know anything. I'm not trying to be awkward or whatever. She was very sweet about it. But she said, I just felt, I woke up and I was praying and I felt like God just showed me you and God showed me your womb and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, He's enlightening your womb. And He said this to Caressa. And then Caressa, of course, it impacts her. She got exactly what God had told her, what she'd asked God for. She gets that in that moment and then she walks out of the smoothie place and the Holy Spirit says to Caressa, Caressa, look at the time. And she looks at the time and the appointment that she was meant to be in in the doctor was scheduled for 1.30. And she looked at her watch on that exact day and the time she got the word was 1.40 on the same day. When God spoke to her, if she hadn't have been obedient, to be obedient to when God said, don't go to the appointment, trust me, she wouldn't have been where God wanted her to be to receive the Word and receive the promise that God had for her. Come on, I want to tell you that God is a God that will give you exactly what you ask for. If you make a decision, you know what? I'm going to be obedient. And hear me, take this with wisdom. Like, well, like I said, I said to Chris, I, I'm not saying doctors, I'm not, I'm not saying don't go, you know, I'm, I'm, you need to take this with absolute wisdom. God uses doctors and, and we need to be wise in that. But really, and the reason why I share that is, and you know, we're done for time, I've gone over, but the reason why I share that is, 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 is understanding. That right there is, do you understand? That right there is the Holy Spirit moving. You know what? The Holy Spirit is so much, He's so powerful. He's so creative. He's, he's so much greater than what we realise. You, you want, trust me, you want the Holy Spirit to move in your life. It's the Holy Spirit, the comforter and counsellor. He's the one that says, listen, go here. He's the one businessman where you go to sign the deal and the Holy Spirit will say, uh-uh. Come in, businessman, you say, that'd be nice. I just need a dude to roll with me like that. Just, he's the one who'll be saying, listen, don't align yourself with that person. That's not a good deal to make. The Holy Spirit will be the one parents that'll say, listen, this is what's going on with your child. This is what's really happening. These are the friends you need to be careful for. We need a church that is hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and being guided by the Holy Spirit. 
We need an outbreak of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We all stand to our feet right across. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.